As Latter-day Saint leaders, we face very difficult conversations that put us at risk of saying the wrong thing that can do more harm than good. Many of these conversations relate to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Have you had a fellow board member come out to you about their LGBT identity? Have you had LGBT neighbors and you just don't know what to say to them, so you ignore them instead? Have you wrestled with balancing love for your fellow men while still respecting the doctrines of the restored gospel? In order to help, Leading Saints has put together the LGBT Saints Library with more than 20 presentations featuring individuals who have a unique perspective or expertise around this topic. Three of the most popular sessions are available now to watch. Simply text the word LEAD to 474747 to start watching now or visit leadingsaints.org LGBT. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation, like this podcast, which we hope you subscribe to. We also have a website at leadingsaints.org with thousands of incredible articles all about leadership in the context of being a Latter-day Saint. We host virtual summits, live events, and also have a weekly newsletter to keep you up to date on all things happening with Leading Saints. Visit leadingsaints.org for more information. I'm sitting down today with uh, Steve Hitz. How are you, Steve? Excellent, Kurt. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, this is, uh, I guess, your second time being on the Leading Saints uh, podcast, and we enjoyed our, our first discussion. That was a couple of years ago, uh, where we, where we talked about your uh, your organization, Launching Leaders, and uh, maybe for those who aren't familiar with Launching Leaders, uh, how do you explain that uh, that organization to others? It's a personal leadership course. It's all online. It was uh, developed uh, in uh, 2015. It came online and it's now received and facilitated in over uh, 60 countries. Some of the magic behind launching leaders is it's facilitated by the rising generation. It's not a bunch of gray haired people lecturing on what life should be like. Uh It's the uh, youth discovering their own uh, future by incorporating uh, known of values, habits, you know, learning something about the cycle of, of divine guidance, the formula for success. There's 12 courses uh, that really empower uh, youth. And so we're very grateful to provide it. The church has been a great support. We helped develop a lot of this stuff with uh, Elder Gay when he was still at the helm of self-reliance. In fact, that's where the interfaith version uh, was born was with Elder Gay and the effort to reach uh, people of all faiths, not just our faiths. Hmm. So we encourage people to learn about it on 
www.llworldwide.org. And they can find the, the courses, the materials, everything is all free. It's all a, it's all a 5013C3 uh, charity and no one except one admin in New Zealand. She's our only <laughs> a quote unquote employee. Nice. Very cool. And, uh, you know, you've been kind enough to, uh, you've been submitting articles to leading saints around some of the launching leaders, uh, topics and, and are always uh, encouraging people to go check it out and, and use it. And, and how, what would you say to like local leaders as far as uh, how they might use launching leaders as a tool to encourage individuals in their wards or stakes? Well, we have, uh, uh, several stakes that use it. We have lots of, we have, we have a, uh, a video, I think it's available online now or available through our resources with, uh, I don't know, 10 stake presidents that have discovered it and use it uh, on a regular basis with their youth groups and found great success and highly endorsed uh, the product and what it does. Yeah. And on the local level, if I were, you know, if I were a, a bishop or stake president, I'd say the first thing to do is to you know, find the Launching Leaders book available at Deseret or Amazon and read it and see if you think that that will help, you know, raise the ship of what your young people are going through. And I guarantee it will. And then the opportunity will be there to form groups, work with us to form groups and have yeah. them facilitated. Yeah. So there's the the book, which I highly recommend people read as well. And then um, you have this online class that's free that it's sort of, uh, you just go through it at your own pace. And then there's also like a, a group element to it that people there facilitate, is. right? Yeah. So if a group is formed with say 10 uh, young adults, it's facilitated by one of them who we train to be the facilitator and they really make friendships for life. You know, they can email and contact text each other uh, on the process and they kind of uh, shepherd one another through this. And it turns out to be kind of a lifelong thing, which is which is great because we all need mentors. And it's nice to have people that are striving to do some of the same things that we are. But we need an extra hand. You know, who doesn't need an extra hand or somebody to friendship them? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll definitely continue to link to it and it'll be in the in the show notes of this episode as well. And, uh, you know, you're always kind enough uh, to respond to a lot of my newsletters that I send out and <laughs> encourage me that way. And uh, but then at the same time, you'll often share an article or a thought that you've been researching and you spend a lot of time reading and and researching some of these uh, principles and concepts, especially as they relate to to youth or to young adults in the world and especially religious young adults. And, uh, you, you sent over an article a week or so ago and I thought, you know, Steve, let's, why don't we jump on the podcast and talk about what you're learning and, and discuss some principles that will maybe help the, the listening leadership audience. So, uh, what, what are, what's the general topic that we hope to, uh, tackle today? How to address the, uh, concerns of the rising generation some of the facts that we've learned from a very broad and in-depth research from a, a firm called Springtide Research, a Christian organization that has interviewed over 10,000 youth and have done so for over three years. Uh, for example, last year was focused largely on a loneliness. And mm. what a great time to have that information during the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. You know, we know that's the probably the number one epidemic in the world is loneliness. This ties right into that. 
uh, in connectivity, you know, how they, how they can connect, you know, to their God, if they have any desire to do so, where they find their answers, how they want to find their answers, uh, all very relevant stuff. One of the quotes I thought I'd share with you from their book, it just really resonated with me, if, if you don't mind me quoting. Yeah, please. The waves that crash, the currents that bend and beckon, the dark depths and the effervescent crests, to all this all-important period of life, worthy of considered listening and faithful retelling, worthy of companionship, worthy of care. We situate our work at this intersection of human and religious experience in the lives of young people, a space of ebb and flow, of calm and chaos, of clear and murky moments, a space we are dedicated to exploring and engaging with you. As I thought about this, you know, and I, and I thought about some of the firsthand experience I have, for example, uh, with my son, um, my, my late son who, you know, lived much of this himself and was caught in those waves. Uh, it, this really resonated with me and it reminded me of our, you know, we call it our come alongside doctrine in launching leaders. And I share this because I learned it from my cows and who doesn't learn some of the best <laughs> lessons from their cows. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll have to, I, I can't relate. I don't have any cows, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll explain it. You know, cows are a lot smarter than people give them credit for. And in, in raising cows, I just, I just found I like to be with them and experience the, you know, the creatures that they are. But if you try to lead a, you know, a herd of cows from one pasture to another, you can't get behind them, you know, even if you're on a horse and whip them forward. The way you do it is you get far to either side of the field that they're on and you just come alongside of them so they can just see you barely in their periphery. Mm -hmm. You walk slowly forward and amazingly, they walk slowly forward with you to the next pasture. Wow. And they end up where you wanted them to go, but it became their own idea. <laughs> and you were just kind of there to shepherd them and, and see them through it. So that's our come alongside theory. And I think it works particularly well in leadership and particularly with youth. Yeah. And is there like, what does the application look like uh, in, in, you know, in real life? Well, uh, I'll give you a, a local example. I met a, a friend here, a new one in a place we just moved to in Cedar City. And he's concerned about his 17-year-old son and who suffers with a lot of anxiety and depression. And so he asked if I could just spend some time with him. He's just a fine young man, good athlete, good-looking kid. But he just has these demons. And so every couple of weeks, we were building a house in Cedar City, and the porch is actually done, and it's kind of elevated, and it overlooks the valleys. And so we put our lawn chairs on that porch every two weeks, and I really just sit and listen. I listen. I come alongside him, and I listen to the things he's going through in life, and I listen long enough to where if it's silence, that's a great thing to listen to. It's a great thing to hear your own thoughts in your head and to just kind of feel the, the spirit beckoning. 
And that, that's just an example of coming alongside. You know, I didn't have yeah. any, any format. I didn't have an agenda. Never do. I just show up and see where the spirit takes us, but I leave it up to him. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how do you gauge as far as when you're uh, maybe going too far to the point that maybe you're, you got the rope around the cow's neck and you're yanking, right? In, in a certain direction. Cause I think everybody starts with this idea of coming alongside, but it's like, well, the cow's not moving fast enough or he keeps going in the wrong direction. So obviously there's some more encouragement needed and, and we project that on our relationships with, you know, young people in our life and thinking, well, you're, you just don't understand life. So let me uh, pull you along here. Yeah. Well, pulling along never works too good. And you know, casting our, our agenda upon them where they, they know doesn't work too good either. You know, uh, this research showed us that, uh, you know, 58% of the young people now, they don't want to be told, you know, they don't, you know, they don't want to be whipped into that corral. Mm -hmm. They want to figure it out themselves. And if you think about it, that's really the basis of what we know. It's kind of the basis of our doctrine if you believe that God can reveal to us and inspire us individually, then you believe that, you know, what Moroni said was true. Kind of figure it out for yourself. Yeah. And so I think we need to let young people do that. Of course, we, of course we establish boundaries. You know, we have a fence around our pasture. You know, yeah. we don't want them to get out. <laughs> yeah. We just want to lead them to the green pastures, right? Right. In a way that... that is, is loving and kind and, and we're coming alongside of them. We celebrate them. We talked about this, I think, before, where so many of the leaders today have castigated the, and created an image for the rising generation that's just not true, you know? They're really not, by and large, sitting in their parents' basement playing video games all day. Hmm. They could, but most of them aren't. And they're not much different than we were when we grew up and we were searching for answers. They're just actually uh, more determined to find these answers on their own. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then with, uh, and, and I love that you've really established that model with uh, launching leaders as, as you have these groups and they facilitate, you really leave it in the hands of their peers rather than having a, a gray haired, you know, wise individual come and sort of uh, pontificate uh, and then, you know, pretend like the, the, they're facilitating something when in right. reality, they're just sort of uh, giving their knowledge, right? That's right. They're imparting their, their, their sage wisdom. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of the, one of the things we discovered in this survey is that, it, and there's all kinds of stats and I won't bore you with too many of them, but some, some of them stood out. For example, uh, those interviewed only 10% during the pandemic said that they heard from a religious leader. Hmm. I know that's different in our faith. I know it is, but still for a broad, broad spectrum of, of congregations across the United States, for them to say that, that broke my heart. Yeah. When they are feeling overwhelmed, 16% said they had no one to turn to. So even if, 49% of them turned to family. Think about the 16% that had felt like there's no place for me to turn. And my point was in saying that is that if that's, you know, hearing that 16% doesn't break your heart, 
you you shouldn't be in youth leadership anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your calling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But and, it breaks my heart. In fact, uh, a large part of that is that they haven't figured out, even though they're searching on their own, they haven't come to understand their true identity and their relationship with that higher power. And so I was... Uh, I was led to a recent quote by our prophet, President Nelson, where he said, ask your heavenly father in the name of Jesus Christ, how he feels about you and your mission here on earth. That's incredible to be asked to ask that statement. I mean, I've, I've recently, since hearing this advice, asked, asked this statement, you know, how do you feel about me, Lord? And, you know, you know, I'm not asking for a grade, but, you know, but what is, what is your, uh, what is the purpose that you have in mind for me? You know, and drilling it on a deeper level to try to discover our identity and hear, you know, that's the other thing that President Nelson asks us to try to hear the voice of the Lord. These yeah. things tie into our true identity. And that's what's missing with so many of these youth today is they haven't figured that out. We can guide them help them understand it. You know, I was thinking about this just two nights ago. I was in Colorado. My daughter-in-law was uh, lamenting a little bit about some of the teenagers in her ward and things that are going on that aren't quite right in her view. And I was just thinking out loud. I think, what if this small group of youth had a leader that gathered them and said, you know what, I'm just really here to learn from you. You know, let's talk and listen to each other for a while. And then let's focus on this thing the prophet asked us to do. And instead of, you know, just dropping the pearl and running, why don't we open that up? And let's pray together right now, right here, right now, to see if Heavenly Father can help direct each of us to that purpose he has for us. And then when we reassemble next time, let's talk about any tender mercies or inspirations that have come to us that we can share with each other. Because really, what could be more important than knowing our true identity? Yeah. That's how I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm curious, you know, the, the, this concept of come alongside doctrine and helping individuals, especially young individuals, understand their identity and whatnot. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a a uh, YSA bishop, which is probably easier for you to do than me, but uh, like where there's just so many of them, right? And so it's easy to sort of fall into these, the structures of activities and FHEs and, you know, these these programs or, or uh, uh, events or structures that are traditional and that we do. And so we, we sort of have, try to have a fun activity, right? But we sort of miss them at the same time. And so what does the application look like for maybe a, a YSA bishopric or, um, you know, some of the, the older adult leaders in, in these organizations to really make sure that they're connecting, that they're, uh, you know, communicating identity and, and coming alongside them when there's just a lot of, a lot of uh, young single adults and a lot of them fall through the cracks. Yeah. Great question. You know, I would guide you back to one of my scriptures I love in Moroni chapter 6, uh, verse 9. 
and their meetings were conducted by the church after the manner of the workings of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Ghost. For as the power of the Holy Ghost led them, whether to preach or to exhort or to pray or to supplicate or to sing, even so it was. <laughs> I, I think so, time, so, so many times we get so caught up in our culture, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that it's not inspired or was revelatory at some point, but I think we just need to do more of dropping the agenda before us and, and then just listening to what the Spirit's directing us to do. With the group, uh, you know, in a YSA ward, you know, I mean, take a ward conference, for example, and you've as a bishop spent, you know, weeks knowing it's coming and preparing the message you want to deliver. You know, the state president he's going to be there and so on and so forth. It's a big day for the war. And the night before, because you were listening to the spirit, maybe even the morning of you, you just get this revelation to just throw all of that to the side. And, stand before the, the youth and for 15 minutes express in very specific ways your love for them and how you celebrate their lives and how much the Lord loves them. And you allow the spirit to dictate that meeting, just like Moroni said, you know? And I think if we can do more of that, not just as bishops, but as fathers and as friends. It, it can go a long ways, you know? Yeah. Who doesn't want to know and hear that they're loved? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just, I was actually reviewing a, a, a different uh, Leading Saints podcast that we published a couple of years ago, and uh, it was with Deanna Murphy, and she was talking about this concept of, like, the 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 uh, – uncertainty that the teachers can feel sometimes walking into a lesson, you know, we want to have everything buttoned down. You know, I've got these, these 30 quotes and I've got uh, this scripture and, you know, I've got, I've got three hours of content, so I should be fine. And, you know, to, to fit into my 40 or 50 minutes here. Right. And we we want that security knowing that I am prepared walking in there, but then there's this whole, like, if you want to take that class to a whole nother level, and I think this is exactly what you've articulated with, you know, whether it's a, a uh, young single adult FHE activity or, or activity in general, if you want to take that whole different level, there's got to be some level of, uh, of uncertainty in the plan, right? That, man, I'm just, I want to step into this and invite the spirit and see, see where we go rather than making sure that, all right, are all the activities good to go? Are the games good to go? Right. We want to have those buttoned down, but to sort of I put those you. to I the side, you. you know, and, and step into some of these activities and relationships, not knowing uh, beforehand what I should do, you know? What's more authentic than the spirit? Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and being in, in tune for that, I was the same way for 17 years. I taught institute and seminary and for the first, I don't know, I'm going to say 10 of those years. I was just like that down to the minute, you know, my preparation of what was, was what was going to happen. And if it steered off course, I had to pull it back on course because I had my plan. Yeah. And it wasn't until I, and it wasn't until my lesson preparation became instead of, you know, three hours every night 
for the next morning seminary class, uh, you know, reduced to, you know, 30 minutes and then pleading with the Lord to make up any difference that he wanted to be taught Mm. that we were really, really empowered together. Yeah. But it takes vulnerability and trust (laughs) and, and, and I'm always reminded of, uh, uh, the prophet um, George Albert Smith, and he he was called him his apostle, right? And I think the president at the time was Heber J. Grant. So his first talk, he call, he gets up, he stammers around, you know, he he has some prepared texts and so forth, and it just didn't go so well. And he sits down, and President Grant leans over to him, and he says, George. I don't want you to ever use a note again. When you stand from here on out, I want you to just speak what the Spirit tells you. And George Albert Smith looked at him and he said, that would be putting an awful burden on the Lord. <laughs> but that's what he tried to do. Yeah, That's what his instruction was. <laughs> yeah. So I think we need, you're right. We need to do more of that. Yeah, that's that's helpful. Uh, what's next? Where do we go from here to sort of uh, connect these dots of, of some of the research you've done? Well, a couple things. Um, one of the things that we found oh, three or four years ago in, in Launching Leaders is that the young people really believed that they could have compartmentalized lives and be happy with that. I can have a life at church. I can have a life at school. I can have a life at you know, work, wherever. And they can be different. Mm-hmm. And we found that that's one of the things that was causing them to be so unhappy because you cannot have a life like that and be happy if it's not congruent. Yeah. It goes back to that identity principle, right? If the, if you're a different identity in different compartments, it, it's not going to mm-hmm. work. Yeah. So a large percentage of the uh, youth interviewed um, felt like still that they could have a, a compartmentalized life. 47% agreed that they could. And I think that's one of the problems because you can't, you know? Yeah. You have to be congruent in every facet of your life. And that includes developing your core values. You know, people talk about ethics and core values, but very few people have ever sat down and spent a few months developing who they really are and want to be. And I didn't do that until I was 50 years old. (laughs) Honestly. And it's never too late probably, right? Yeah. I knew that, you know, I, I believed in this and that, and this was just part of my core but it was never articulated and put in writing. That's one of the things, you know, developing your core values and striving to do so. Only, you know, uh, less than half of them uh, meditate on a weekly basis um, or even write in a journal, although many of them are pretty good at, uh, at that. They've come up with this thing that I think is intriguing called Faith Unbundled. And this was the label put on by the researchers. So the the youth today feel like they can get their faith from a variety of many sources, you know, um, both religious and non-religious. And they bring all of these things that they think are cool, you know, into their bundle of faith. And that that then equals their faith. And it's not all bad, you know. They're looking for, you know, belief, which translates to curiosity, identity, which translates, you know, to wholeness. Um, community, which translates to connection. They're discovering ways to make their faith whole 
in, in their estimation. And I think that there's a lot we can learn, you know, from that. But I think so much of it can be fed back into the things that we know. And they can be led into those, you know, spaces where they can discover how that relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and their true identity with God and who they really are and yeah. are to become. Yeah. And this is an interesting concept. And I don't know if it's even more of a thing in our religious tradition, but um, it's, even in my own personal journey, like I, I love, there's certain, uh, you know, Christian authors, evangelical authors that I'm drawn towards and that I, that I just love reading about. And yeah, there's some things there that I'm like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that opinion or, or how he's articulated that doctrine, but they've, they've added to my faith. But then there's always this feeling of like, you know, if I'm recommending it, you know, to somebody in Elder's Quorum, there's always this feeling of like, well, wait a minute, you know, who's this guy? You know, I don't want to be deceived or anything. Right. So how, what do we do with this idea of when, with, when young people are sort of unbundling their faith, if, if that's the, if I'm using the term correctly, that, to be okay with that. Cause I think we always want to draw them back to, Oh no, the book of Mormon daily scripture study, uh, come follow me, these types of things. That, that's where we, we want them to connect with God the most, but sometimes they do it elsewhere. You know, because uh, we have the opportunity to mingle with so many faiths in the world in launching leaders. Um, I've been taught even how to do the incense in the Catholic chaplaincy in Manchester, England. Oh, wow. I've got it down to an art, you know, where I can cling the bell and the smoke goes up and all that stuff. Oh, wow. I know the meaning behind it, which is quite sacred, you know. And so I've found that, you know, like you, uh, they've added to the fabric of my faith. You know, we talk about how the young people can find their true identity, and it requires effort. In, they need to focus on prayer and meditation and good books and take time to do that. I recently learned of a guy named uh, Carlo Co uh, Corretto, who was a you know Catholic uh, youth advocate in Italy for many years, kind of a priest, kind of a guy. And when he was 40, he just discovered he hadn't really come to know God enough and what his purpose yeah. should be. And so he left his thousands of friends and he actually took their addresses and that at the is a, you know, in the fifties and he burned them like in a kettle, you know, kind of, he said, I didn't destroy my relationships. I just, I just burned their addresses because he, he wanted to. <laughs> and then he went to a group in Northern Africa, a small group called the little brothers to kind of like a monk. And for 10 years, he spent alone in the desert with these monks trying to discover his identity. And he wrote this book called letters from the desert. You know, it just, it's just, uh, I've learned so much about things I've taken for granted. You know, yeah. we're taught in our faith, you know, how to pray, the kind of the order we should pray and so forth. But we can go on, we can go to such a deeper level. And that's part of who we, how we discover our true identity and our relationship with God. And I think that, I think I see it even, you know, I saw something recently with, you know, Elder Holland, you know, spending a lot of time with a, a Catholic priest um, and their friendship. President Nelson spending time with different organizations of other faiths. And not just, you know, you know, not just for a photo op, but to share the love that they have. 
As a matter of fact, when I boil all this stuff down that I've studied, um, I, came, I came up with just a few takeaways. One, implement and learn the doctrine, what we call the come alongside theory. Mm-hmm. Allow the youth to discover their own answers. Give them the space to do so. And if their answer is different than yours, that's okay. Celebrate the answer they have at the moment and let them progress just like you did. And to remember that free agency is one of the greatest gifts that we've ever been given. I had a I had an experience as a YSA bishop where a mom of a young lady in my ward called me and just railed me up and down. Why, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? It had to do with a relationship that, uh, uh, you know, she was dating a guy in our ward. There was a, you know, like seven or eight years older than her. And she just felt like it was my obligation to end that relationship. And I told her this, I said, you know what? I really appreciate where you're coming from, how you feel. I want you to, I want to tell you the advice that I gave them. What's that? I asked them to pray about it deeply and to do whatever the Holy Spirit said. That's it. That's all I said. And I have faith that they can receive answers. And I believe in free agency. And I encourage you to do the same. <laughs> nice. Nice. I don't, she never called me again, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she might not she might not have appreciated that answer. But yeah. that's what I'm getting at, you know. Go into your own desert and take the time you need to discover who you are. The other thing we found through the survey is relationships were key to everything. True relationships, you know. And that takes time. Um, I told you about this story of this young man I meet with every two weeks on the porch of the house we're building, you know, just to listen. And over 50% of them said that. They don't want to be told what to do. If they have, if they have a, someone of our age, for example, that's concerned about them, they really just want us to listen. And I think sometimes that's hard for us to do. So yeah. I'd say that's the other key is to listen. Yeah. And then, you know, finally, if anyone needs any uh, extra, you know, outside help, you know, Launching Leaders is not a program of the church, but it's highly endorsed by church members throughout the world. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the BYU Independent Study Platform. And it's all free. And so I encourage anyone to find more tips there. Um, and if, you know, if anyone wants to, uh, you know, a list of facts and things that I've found studying this, it can be helpful, but it all comes down, in my opinion, to living the two great commandments. If we can learn to do that, I think Elder Holland would echo this. That's pretty much where everything is. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking going back to that uh, concept of, you know, creating space for these individuals, you know, that the example of the mother who was maybe having a hard time creating space for the idea that her daughter was romantically involved with uh, someone that was uh, quite a few years older than her. I mean, quite a few, five, six, seven. Uh, and and we we sort of like this idea in principle, right? Like, oh, yeah, I, I could do that. But uh, hey, uh, I, I sort of gave you, you know, you've been out in your desert for a little while now. I think it's time you go on that mission, right? Or I think it's time that you uh, date someone you can seriously marry, right? And uh, 
but part of creating that space is really surrendering what that space is going to do for that, that child. Um, Ooh, I like that word, you know, and, and I th- I'm thinking of like Thomas McConkie, who I've interviewed several times where, you know, the, the grandson of an apostle who then ventures off to, to China and all sorts of places, steps away from the church essentially to, to, uh, you know, be mentored by Buddhists and, and to learn this, this idea of mindfulness and, and whatnot, and then comes back to the church a more complete person. And it's easy to dismiss that journey of like, well, Thomas, you were, you were off the path for a while there, but we're so glad you're back. When in reality, he was never more on the path in this journey uh, that he took, you know, and creating space for that and, and, and giving that value and, and validating that, that journey so that they feel like, you know, and he now feels a part of our community. At least I hope he does. So that's such a great point. Yep. Yep. Very, very good. You know, I'm mentored every week by, a rabbi friend, a, a rabbi who was converted uh, on his journey uh, to become a rab, uh, you know, a Jewish uh, fellow from Catholicism. Oh wow! I'm mentored every week by a by a friend who was a Baptist missionary in China for over ten years, who converted to Catholicism. You know? Oh wow! I mean. There's all kinds of truth in the world in this fabric of faith, but I, I'll share. I don't share this with many, but I think it's probably important. So, you know, in the efforts that we say, well, we want them, we want them to eventually be, you know, in the center of the covenant path, right? Yeah. Wherever their journey is taking them, that's where we want them to end up. And that's where we want to end up. I was visiting with an older gentleman in New Zealand at a conference there. We were talking about some of these things. And the Maori people are highly spiritual people. They're revelatory people, in my opinion. And he said that he felt like as a mechanic, he was an auto mechanic, just lived a normal life. And he dealt with the, you know all these people all over the years, but he treated them with love and kindness. And he said, but I never, you know, I never really gave them a Book of Mormon. I really never invited them to church. And I was really concerned that I just wasn't doing my job in leading people, you know, to the center of this gospel. And he had a vision one evening. And in that vision, I don't know who appeared to him. I don't recall. But he was told that because of the love that he sincerely had for these people of all these different faiths and treating them so kindly, he would someday be able to share with them on a deeper level all the truths as they are revealed after this life. And so he knows that he's going to be one of those teachers in the spirit world that his friends are gathering around and saying, you know, I'm glad you didn't push that on me. I'm glad you didn't you know, try to force from an agenda or an assignment from church someplace I should be. But because of the way you love me, I want more of what you know to be true. Yeah, right. It was that relationship foundation, right? And That's, uh, all, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and that, that's an interesting concept that I'm sort of uh, toying with. Right now, I'm uh, serving, I'm the assistant ward mission leader in my my ward, uh, which I don't know if I'm the assistant or assistant to the ward mission leader, but depends on the week maybe. Uh, 
And I have this, this, I've been thinking a lot about community in the concept, in the context of, of, of award mission, where it's, it's easy to sort of be like, all right, let's, uh, I, you know, get the list out. Let's identify the part member families, you know, let's really, you know, maybe knock some doors and make sure people, the missionaries are meeting with people. Yeah, that's all fine and good. But if, if we can create a community of, of deep relationships of that, the, the the neighbors around us, especially in the, the non Latter Day Saint leader or the non Latter Day Saint neighbors around us, feel a part of our community. Naturally, the baptisms will happen, or the the opportunity to share the gospel will happen. But none of that can happen without that foundation of relationship and and community, right? Yeah, and I think the Lord connects the dots. We just have yeah. to to trust. I have a dear friend who lost his father in law this last week here in Cedar City, and He's a county official. He's an elected official. And he had a convention to go to this week. He just didn't feel like it because he's grieving. Yeah. His wife said, well, you should go for at least one day. The county paid for it. So he went down to St. George. He's in this big convention hall. And they have a keynote speaker. And my friend is kind of like me. He has ADHD and has a harder time focusing sometimes. <laughs> he didn't hear anything that was coming at him. So he said, I'm just getting – I'm just – I'm just not in a position. I'm just going to go and wander the convention hall where they had vendors set up, right? Yeah. And he sees this vendor from uh, Utah Transit Authority, UTA. And he goes, wonder uh-huh. what they're doing here. They're not like, have to. they don't have to sell anything. They're funded by the government, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And so he wanders over there and this fellow looks at him and he says, how are you? And cars, well... Like the name slipped out, but Karsten said, I'm grieving. I just lost my father-in-law and I'm just out here because I can't focus. And he gave him a big hug and they wept together. And Karsten says, but I've been comforted a little bit by this podcast I've been listening to by Clayton Christensen. Hmm. The man took a step back and he said, Clayton's my brother. Oh my goodness. And yeah, he passed away last year, I think. Yeah. But he said, of our, the 10 of us in our family, we were the closest. I'm just a normal working blue collar guy from a transit company. My brother, you know, was a Harvard graduate, you know, doctorate, flew around on private jets, had all the money he ever wanted. But we were the closest of all the 10 because, you know, the way we loved each other and how Clayton treated people. And so they had this long conversation about, do you think that was a coincidence that God connected those dots? Yeah. That he's wandering this hall and there's that guy who's the brother of the guy that's lifting my friend up in his grief. Yeah. Those are the things we have to count on to happen if we just put forth, you know, more of that love and the first two great commandments and not have an agenda for every step we take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. And, and again, you know, it's, we, we can't be fully prepared with all the the steps and the dots already aligned. You know, I think of the talk that Elder Utor gave years ago about, you know, the, I think he was quoting Steve Jobs with seeing, you know, with foresight that how the dots connect, but it's hard to do that looking forward. Right. But we have to have faith that, that it's happening and is, and our, our, our effort is in making connection and relationships with others, especially, you know, it's, you know, going back to the general topic of, of young adults and, and youth of, 
you know, mm-hmm. as long as you're making that connection, you know, that, that, that relationship will, will carry them, them forward. Um, even when you're not there physically to, you know, walk alongside them, but they'll always remember that relationship as if you're walking alongside them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Steve, what are we missing? What, uh, anything else on, on the outline here that, uh, we, we skimmed over too quickly or did we do all right? You know, I think we did, I think we did all right. There's always more, but you know, I'm one of these guys that when the, uh, hour, when it's the top of the hour and it's time for sacrament meeting to end, I've checked out. (laughs) 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 And so I think that it's better sometimes to keep things that's, uh, you know, we, 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 we can ponder these things we've talked about and, you know, take our own steps to go on a deeper level. Yeah. And, and I think that's where we should leave it for now. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll ask one more question of you, but, uh, before I do that, um, again, just remind us where people can connect with you or, or with launching leaders. Sure. Uh, llworldwide.org is the website. And there you can read also a lot about some of these things. I write on the blog there occasionally, and you can also find the course there and take it. If you'd like, you can reach out to us in an email on from that website and we'll get it to, you know, communicate with you one-on-one. Yeah. And you can pick up our book at any Deseret store, launching leaders an empowering journey for a new generation. And, uh, there's also another book there that interests people, uh, young people, and it's called entrepreneurial foundations for 20 and 30 somethings. So those are a few yeah. things that we offer. Awesome. And we'll link to, um, the, make sure we link a lot of the articles that, uh, you've, you've shared on leading saints.org and, uh, they've, they've definitely added, uh, significantly to that library and that'll be awesome. So last question I have for you, Steve is, um, you know, if you're in a room full of, of leaders who are striving to inspire and connect with the rising generation, uh, what, what final encouragement would you give them? <laughs> That just reminded me, you know, when I was when I was called to be a YSA bishop, I went to lunch with the former bishop who's, you know, one of the wisest, beloved bishops of all time, Bishop Wilbur. He's passed away now. And I said, and I had I had by that time had the ward list. They didn't the ward didn't know that there was going to be a change yet. But, mm-hmm. you know, the two of us did. And I said, so. I brought my notebook book out and I said, I just want to hear everything that you have to share with me so that I can at least hit the ground running a little bit and, you know, be proactive in this new calling. And he looked at me strangely and he said, I'll just give you one piece of advice. I said, what's that? He said, pray a lot. (laughs) That was it. End of it. That's the only advice he gave me. And it's the best advice he could ever give because if we really truly, you know, I go on a 50 minute prayer walk every morning. I call it a prayer walk because that's what I do. I pray most of the time when I'm walking and with my with my dog. And my Aussie doodle has actually become quite spiritual, by the way. He prays with me. <laughs> nice. And we go on this prayer walk together. That's how my day begins. And I think that that is uh, the best advice I could give to any leader because if you pray deeply and sincerely, about individuals, the Lord loves them more than we do. And he will show us the way individually, how we can come alongside and bless them. 
That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to access the three free sessions of the LGBT Saints Library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.